This time, I know not the mind probe, episode number 95, Honey, I Shrunk the Doctor. Welcome to No, no Not the Mind Probe. Are you a child in this scenario? Was I doing? No, hmm. no. Um, no. I was trying to go for it, but I didn't have any warm-up time. That uh, Rick Moranis. Uh, from, mm. uh, right? um, oh, no. Um, Remember? Um, really the Mind Probe? Yeah. 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 Who was his voice? But that we're taking his voice when he was Lewis and Ghostbusters. And, and Ghostbusters. Yeah, yeah. And really, I'm just doing Flynn doing Rick Moranis in the Big Show 3. As we all know, uh, our friend as everybody Flynn, knows, uh, everybody knows Flynn, everybody knows Big Barrison Show three. and yeah. from the Duke University Improv's Big Show yeah. number three, which of course we all know and occurred everybody in nineteen ninety. It's available on VHS in my closet. Uh, if you if you're interested, I let my membership lapse <laughs> on your video store in your closet. VHS. I can't get any of that stuff anymore. Uh, you know that was that was only uh, what thirty years ago, uh, twenty seven mm-hmm. years ago. Yeah, so you mm-hmm. know, a lot of people people should have seen it was a it was a brilliant Oscar parody, sort of, um, with timely references to Jimmy Stewart. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was a good time. Good memories. Good, good memories. We wrote that together. It was a, we, we, did. we wrote that on a car trip. Yeah. Yeah. Well, for those of you who do not tune in um, to hear a trip down memory lane, <laughs> this is a podcast where we watch and rank the first 300 Doctor Who stories. Uh, my name is John Grant. I'm a lifelong Doctor Who fan. I've been watching it for 39 amazing years. And my name is Porter Mason. John's been asking me to watch Doctor Who for 27 years. A few years ago, I said yes. Each episode, we look at two stories. Though for a little bit of time, we're going to kind of talk about three. Mm. Uh, but we talk about the newer series uh, that started back in 2005. We're going through that in order up until the 300th episode. And then Doctor Who, Sommelier John, pairs that story with a classic story. And we're also going to talk about the brand new Who. Right. That's just happening right now in 2023 and 2024. If you sketched it out, it'd be like a line, like here to here, and then leap back here, and then jump forward here, and then come back. Yeah, it's The it's, key is that David Tennant is in, in all, these all these episodes. <laughs> <laughs> That's the linking theme. Uh, but John, what are we going to talk about this episode? This episode, all right, we're moving on. Uh, we just got off the Orient Express with the... Um, the twelfth Doctor and uh, Clara, and then she she deceived uh, Danny, uh, and they're back off on adventures. And so we have the next uh, exciting adventure in their series. This is called Flatline, uh, and uh, this involves the TARDIS with the Doctor inside shrinking. Mini Not cute, the Kiefer cute. Sutherland vehicle Flatliners. No, no, Not totally that. different. That's a lot more terrifying, apparently. Yeah, this one, Shrinking Tardis. Uh, and so, uh, again, this was a relatively easy one to pair. Uh, I went all the way back to um, the beginning of the second season of Doctor Who. This is uh, the first Doctor, Ian, Barbara, Susan, uh, in Planet of Giants. But first, John, yeah. first, John, we're going to talk about the third special. Third special. In the new era. The new, new era. The, the Giggle. The giggle, yeah, pretty good. What'd you think of it? It was good, right? I liked it. All right, on to the next. (laughs) (laughs) I liked it. I'm again, as I've said with these specials, I'm somewhat impatient to get through the new David Tennant era. But this did bring an end to it, and I thought it for the moment. (laughs) Well, that's true. But it 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 did at least. So, I mean, 
I, I guess we're gonna like lightly get into spoilers. I mean, don't yeah. listen to us talk about this if if you haven't watched it. Yeah. But yeah. it's on Disney Plus, by the way. Now that's the other mm-hmm. thing. I have to mm-hmm. span three different apps to watch mm-hmm. these. It's a lot episodes. of work. It's a lot but, of work. Uh, I thought what they tried to pull off the end is that basically the doctor by the time well i guess by the time of jody whitaker that's why it's funny to go back to david tennant anyway right. has become sort of so unmoored and lonely and out there and that he kind of needed to like split off and just have a minute to himself <laughs> for a little bit so that the doctor could continue on while this other version of the doctor kind of goes and retires and enjoys his golden years and yeah. anyway i, I don't it's know like if i buy skimmed it out, it's like they skimmed out all the all the baggage and then the other doctor gets to retire not feel guilty and then the new one is off and like woohoo right and that's why i, I kind of i was like okay if you needed to do these three episodes in order to do that mm-hmm. and it, and then you wanted to bring back Donna because this was sort of the rightful person. First of all, to kind of close find her a better yeah. ending yeah. for her. I think, yeah, I think they wanted her to be She happy. now forgets everything that ever happened. And right. So uh, I guess I was sort of like, okay, if, if that's why you've... Now, really, you probably feel like you needed to do that because you wanted to get everyone back and watching David Tennant. And, yeah, and, and it was a little um, bit of reset. And it was a little bit... Eight. It was celebrate the anniversary, so we'll go back to a very popular pairing. So apparently the uh, so so that's all started when uh, during the pandemic, there were these uh, this Doctor Who magazine editor or contributor, Emily Cook, started these tweet alongs. And they're basically let's watch Doctor Who episodes during the pandemic. The new ones or the post 2005 because uh, oh. there were stuff coming out. And what we'll do is we'll all start watching at the same time and we'll all tweet as we go. And then she got David Tennant and Russell T. Davies and all these people to also tweet, uh, a tweet, hence tweet along. And during one of them with Catherine Tate. Wait, why didn't these, we do this? Weren't we watching them at the same time? I don't go on the Twitter. My oh, yeah. anyway, all right. I don't need other people telling me how Doctor Who is. <laughs> I know how it is. I tell other people. But we could have, we have joined to. the conversation, John, and maybe some people would have watched <laughs> would have promoted the, the podcast. podcast. That's ridiculous. I don't do this for other people. Anyway, so they started talking, uh, David Tennant and, and Catherine Tate started talking with Russell Davies, and they said, isn't this fun? Like, this is fun. Maybe we should get the band back together and do this. Wouldn't it be fun? Uh, and I think the initial idea was maybe we just go back and we do like one or two episodes uh, as like a fun little treat or something as a special uh before the new showrunner but then that sparked apparently russell d davies to be like hey maybe i should just take over the entire show again uh so started him down that path um and so but then they still had this idea they wanted to come back and i think the initial plan was well we'll just do like a flashback and we'll cut in right to the gaps right so we'll just fill in it won't be a continuation it'll be filling the gap and then i guess russell came up with this storyline um with uh with a 14th doctor i guess it's a fun way to make a surprise ending to um 13th and then yes and then so the the controversy that's rocked the world is this by generation right so now there's two doctors sure and what you what you would find out if you watch and i have not but apparently if you watch the commentary so they did like a dvd commentary basically that goes along with the episode you can kind of watch it in disney plus uh, I don't know if it's in Disney Plus, but in the BBC, I think their red button or whatever oh. their little special thing is. So Rusty Davis, Dave Tennant, whatever. Rusty Davis explains that apparently, for some reason, that happened now all up and down the Doctor's timeline. That all the Doctors by generated 
I don't understand it either. And mm-hmm. his argument is now that, and so they all bi-generated and then they all, each one lived out their lives. And he says, well, this means now that any of the old doctors can come back and it doesn't, that the fact that they've aged doesn't matter anymore, right? We can just be like, ah, well, yes, they were living out um, their own timeline like the like David Tennant is now, apparently. Um, I don't know why it was necessary to explain that to everybody. Or I don't why. understand <laughs> that, but they didn't. We saw them regenerate. Right. But, you know, timey-wimey or something like that. Um, I mean, I, I did see people were complaining a little bit. I, at first, I thought this too. They are like, well, now David Tennant. That means David Tennant's just around, hanging around. He's and, just around. You know, Shooty guy was going to be like, coming back to Earth. I was like, well, David Tennant might be there. But I, as more I thought about them, I'm like, well, but they it's time travel. They're all technically all just hanging around. Like, the, you know, yeah. like, <laughs> I mean, there's, it really is not a huge shame. Well, what I thought it was fun the way I set it up and I, I did think the dynamic between the two of them was really good it was great yep. and I don't envision Chudi Gawa like visiting David Tennant because yeah. he was sort of like hey buddy like uh, why don't you rest yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna be off good doing stuff. <laughs> I am ready to go <laughs> and David Tennant was clearly like we have a cup of tea and just yeah. have a meal here have a nice quiet we'll see and I I think it was great. It's also meant you had a multi-doctor story, like at least a short multi-doctor story for the anniversary, which is nice, right? You had two doctors on the screen at once. That's for the fiftieth anniversary. Yeah, yes, you have that sixtieth. You have this. So yeah, for this one. Sorry, was this the sixtieth or sixtieth? Yeah, this one. So you got a little that. You got Mel coming back. I thought Mel That's was it, great, though, right? So Mel was great. But for the 60th anniversary, they're usually blowing it out a bit more than this, right? We would have thought. I mean, the 50th was maybe they were just like, oh, 50th was a lot. And yeah, we usually do 10th, 20th. 30th, uh, 10th, 20th, 50th have all done big stuff with big multi-doctors. Um, yeah, I th- think what people thought there was going to be more, but, um, you know, I'll take this as a little nod to it. I liked Kate was back. And then Neil Patrick Harris was good. steals his show. He was really good, I thought, I as mean, a much, toy maker. Much better than the initial celestial toy maker, in yeah. my opinion. <laughs> Very creepy. Uh, I guess my thing is with the whole three episodes being used for that, I guess you kind of had... An episode where you're resurrecting Donna, right? And then you had this episode. I kind of question where you're bisecting the Doctor and having that. I question whether you needed the second one in between, yeah. Um, yeah. because I'd rather use those four specials to get two Chudigawa stories, <clears throat> full Chudigawa stories, yep. and then have the like, like you said, it's a twist at the end when you see the David Tennant thing. So it worked for that uh, of the Jodie Whittaker season, yeah. <clears throat> and then. Okay, and then we get Donna back and kind of explain that, and then we wrap up why David Tennant is there. I feel like that second one was too much. I didn't mind the episode, but it was just like too much of this is just fan service. We're just want to see Donna Noble and David Tennant, and yeah, like, and it's not fine, my, but like we have a character those study. Episodes. They're great. Go back and yeah. watch them. Like, you know, yeah. I don't know. Maybe it was meant to be a character study more. I mean, I, maybe maybe it's more significant. I go back and watch. It is. It, there is some stuff in that, and then in the latest one too about the toy maker, and he comes from sort of the edge of the universe, and some stuff about the rules have changed. It, it, there's sort of some implications that the rules have changed substantially, uh, and this maybe gets into Doctor Who being more fantasy or whatever, and, and you know, the sense that somehow the toy maker is so powerful that he's changed the universe in some way or changed the Doctor. It, it's um, yeah, it's an interesting some hints that maybe um. The, the, well, obviously there'll be lingering effects from this, but yes, hopefully they just kind of go on. And I, I, I Shooty, Shooty was great. I like Matt Smith was vibes great. in terms of like how quickly he just kind of explodes on the screen, and you're like, he oh, was very, yeah. yes, very right. like Matt Smith, David Tennant vibes of like, okay, oh, wow, okay, here you are, <laughs> and quite a bit of. I don't know if it's male gaze, female gaze, but the, he didn't have pants on the the <laughs> whole episode, so. 
Well, was... they the, the clothes split, right? If you notice, right. like he he had right, right, right. He right. had the shirt and the, yeah, the tie, and they they pretend it was in a t shirt with the vest. So the clothes split with them. So David Tennant was not wearing any underwear, presumably. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. True. Right. True. There you go. So there you go. All right. Well, let's Salacious. move on to and so next episode of the podcast we'll talk more about the final special and then when do the episodes start after the actual season may 2024 apparently so we'll take a break from talking about this obviously for a while but the way we go we'll record like one other episode before before then (laughs) but not too long but now let us return to our simpler time simpler times yeah uh, just flat two series yeah. yeah, Series 8, Episode 9. This is, uh, as we mentioned, Clara and the 11th Doctor. Uh, this is... 12. I'm sorry. I'm so <sighs> sorry. There's too many Doctors. See, they're all bisecting. <laughs> it's very difficult now. <laughs> every... every even well no no as i say every odd no doctor is david Tennant, but yeah no yeah every even odd doctor is david Tennant. and this is a quite literally a doctor in a box story mm-hmm. but uh the doctor is, is stuck inside a box so uh oh uh, this aired on the 18th of october 2014 it is story 250 of the 300 stories that we're going to be covering of doctor who and john has a clip and i will play that for you now well I wonder what caused this. We don't think we're bigger, are we? Bristol! Doctor, we're in Bristol! And 120 miles from where we should be. Impressive. No, not impressive. Annoying. No, this is impressive. This is annoying. Gardens <laughs> never does this. This is huge. Well, not literally huge. Slightly smaller than usual, which is huge. Yes, I get it. You're excited. When can I go home? Your house isn't going anywhere, but neither is mine until I get this figured out. Could you not just let me enjoy this moment of not knowing something? I mean, they happen so rarely. Uh, look, I don't think this is dangerous, but I wouldn't like you to get squished accidentally. Anyway, I need you to help me find out what's caused this. Fine. I'll go take a look around. All right. Discovering this artist, tiny artist. Yeah. So, right, and that's the the big part of of the whole thing gets kicked off by we separate the Doctor and Clara, and because the TARDIS starts shrinking right after this exchange, the Doctor gets back inside the TARDIS and it shrinks quite a bit more. Mm-hmm. It's still bigger on the inside, so he's normal size, but he can't get out at this point. And so Clara has to become the main protagonist of the story, though the doctor's quite literally in her ear the whole time. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, you know, he shares an earpiece with her. So they're kind of talking to each other. But this is a Clara story. Mm-hmm. Clara's driving this and a pack. In fact, she even s- takes on saying, like, I'm the doctor today. She tells, I believe, the other characters in the story that she's the doctor. Yeah. Which <laughs> that was I, I mean, I liked it was I don't know if I totally bought that she would do it, but I I liked that she did it. So she ends up in, uh, I, I love the way they're just so upset to be in Bristol. Uh, so she ends up in Bristol. It's great banter. And, Good banter. And there's a group of people in community service who are painting her back over graffiti. Including, yeah, including one guy, Riggsy, who's actually a graffiti artist. And then what we start to find out is that what's happened, and they'll refer to this like, oh, you, you don't know what's happening, is that people are gone missing all the time. And I wasn't quite sure if she was the first person to piece this together. But they've gone missing, and where are their 
turning up is they're ending up as paintings on walls. And we see this in the in the teaser at the beginning of the episode where someone is sort of sucked into the wall. So it's kind of like they're distorted, right? So they they're like yeah. sort of it's like from a weird angle. It's a pretty cool effect, actually. Because mm-hmm. like, yeah, it's like a I don't say magic eye, but it's like a thing where it's like, yeah, it looks like a squiggly line, but then if you turn on the right angle or something like that, like it's a yeah. face or yeah, it was pretty cool. <clears throat> and so she becomes the doctor. She brings Riggsy in pretty quickly to to what's going on. She uses the psychic paper. She uses the screwdriver. She's using all the Dr. Couchamonts. She comes up with a lot of the plans. Yeah. Yeah. She does the great. She fools them. It's basically a Looney Tunes uh, where she paints the door, (laughs) the fake door on the thing. Yes. That's pretty clever. I I thought she was very clever in this episode. I like She is. Yeah. So, right. So they figure out that it's this two dimensionality thing happening. They see that it's in the walls. Um, I think they've referred to at the beginning that it's a classic story, a uh, something in a room. I don't remember, but mm. they, they they refer to this as like, oh, it's a classic mystery. Of, oh, a locked room mystery. Yeah, locked yeah. room mystery. Yeah, yeah. And so uh, Riggsy and the doctor are going through like, well, what are common solutions to uh, locked room mysteries? Uh, anyway, so they are able to escape with that as these whatever's happening uh, on the walls are closing in on them. And the doctor uh, ultimately... Uh, figures out these are creatures from a two-dimensional world who they call or he knows as they call they refer to them as the boneless i guess that's he, their he names he them, in a, name them that? Okay. yes in a sort of it's it's a it's a wonderful story throughout but i this moment just always graded to me is it's sort of like he he makes this whole speech about how he's the doctor and he fights the monsters and he's like i name you the boneless which a you're watching it the first time and possibly the second or third time even with his accent a little bit i did not know what he was saying so it was like this dramatic like i name you the more and i was like what, what do i know <laughs> and then also it's not that impressive a name. So yeah it's kind of like kind of a really overselling uh overselling it there yeah yeah no it, it was kind of goofy it was a great speech but mm-hmm. anyway Prior to that, Clara kind of Clara <laughs> takes charge. She leads this group of people, including one really salty guy who's like, yeah. doesn't want to hear anything from anybody. They head down into the it's like a sub, uh, yeah, subway, yeah, the tunnel. train, yeah, the underground train there, and they're kind of escaping there. They figure out more about who these these guys are. She is keeping the doctor in her purse the whole time. <laughs> And he's he's helping, though, some of the things that he's giving her like kind of work, kind of don't. Um, and so they ultimately throw them off the track. They they try like, quite literally. They, they, mm. they send a train at them. Um, and then, yes, the final sort of thing. Oh, oh and the, by the way, actually, this is very similar to the other plot we'll discuss. This is all separate from the TARDIS shrinking. That's a separate thing happening. The TARDIS is shrinking. Well, yeah. I guess they're, they're drawing energy from him. Yeah, and it was something to do with power so, from them. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Because it's tenuously okay. linked. <laughs> yeah. So then at the end, she gets them all to focus. Like you said, she quite literally, like, they get Riggsy. I, I thought in a nice little move there, he's a mm. painter. And he, she's like, okay, well, yeah. I need you to paint something. Paint a realistic he thing. Paint something on the wall so that they all put their attention toward it and focus their power on it. What And what they're actually doing is powering back up the TARDIS. He emerges. <clears throat> Uh, gives a, a good doctor speech yeah. and we get to see a nice I couple fight the doctor monsters, speech. Yeah. Uh, exactly. I fight monsters. And and so we kind of emerge. I thought it was interesting that a couple of the, our other kind of red shirts here do die, but Riggsy doesn't and the antagonist guy doesn't. Yeah, the jerk. And so there's a, the jerk. Yeah, there's kind of a nice, nice moment at the end 
where he's like kind of appreciative. He is actually appreciative, but he's still he's not at all changed by this yeah. experience. <laughs> he's still terrible. And and they were like, and Claire is sort of dealing with the fact that she was in charge. So some of the people died on her watch. Not just here, but across the country, probably people died. And the guy's like, yeah, well, they probably weren't the smartest, you know, bulbs in the box <laughs> anyway. So don't worry about it. She's not given a lot of comfort by that. So, yeah, we did see a little bit here, too, about is it? Do we see some about her Danny. and Danny? And, and she's she's on the phone with him when the monster attacks or whatever. She's like she's trying to cover up that she's not with because he doesn't because know. They've she's had with a conversation doctor. that she's sort of yeah. done here. She's right? done with the doctor, so he thinks she's just out uh, doing something or whatever. Yeah, then they have she's having this whole she's being attacked while she's on the phone with him and trying to cover up what's going on and yeah, not, so not very well. A little bit of shades of the very slow ending to Rory and Amy where it's like, okay, like, we are we just going to repeatedly have this thing of like, <laughs> yeah, you really shouldn't be the doctor and I'm really not, but I am. And then we're going to fight again about it or not fight, but I don't know. It just, I don't know. Well, I mean, like, we'll see how it resolves itself. It resolves itself quickly. Yeah. Yeah. So... Yeah, a fun plot, and like you said, really cool ep- effects. Very yeah. interesting effects. I like this one a lot. Um, this is a uh, this is also Jamie Mathieson who wrote the run immediately before the Mummy on the Orient Express. Somehow it just which ended up two great. in a row. Yeah, which is great. Uh, Rigsy is played by by Joyvan Wade. J O I B A N. I apologize, Joyvan, if you're listening, call in and tell me how to pronounce your name. I always, <laughs> I always make sure I pronounce people's names right. I think he's great. He's a he's a really good sort of companion. Again, it's sort of like like the yeah. engineer from the last one. You're kind of like, oh, you know, if Clara wanted to leave, uh, Rigsy yeah, would good. be awesome. Yeah, <laughs> like bring him along. And I liked how the doctor, to- like as he does, as this doctor does, basically everyone like wrote him off completely. Yeah, and then it basically he it takes for this doctor it takes anyone saying like one particular a smart a p- thing in a smart way in a particular type of smart that he's like now no, I'm all in on you you're yeah. a good person I'm gonna keep you're you okay. around you seem to, you think outside the box or something <laughs> before yeah. then he was calling him like ah oh, this mouth breather over here whatever <laughs> he was calling him <laughs> the uh, the effects work is actually pretty good it could be ridiculous uh, but they actually I think pull it off um, the bit where the doctor's hand. The little cousin it thing basically where he moves his hand good. and knock yeah. himself off the thing was very good. Uh, I think the monster is pretty clever. Uh, although again, I said the dramatic labeling. I'm not sure the boneless is the greatest name. Uh, but yeah, really, it's 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 a Clara story, uh, and she's she's great. I think we're finally getting some character because you know now she's got this. I mean, yes, it's a bit cliche, but she's got this thing going on with Danny and lying to him, and you know, and so that's interesting she's uh and then there was a little speech to at the end you see the doctor and this is foreshadowing even almost basically a season ahead like we're actually into stuff that happens next season now this worry about like oh you're yes you were really good at being the doctor today and that may be a little bit worrying (laughs) like maybe you know you know you're changing here and maybe not in in a good way or maybe this is this is somewhat we should be concerned about this right that um you know you shouldn't be enjoying this quite so much uh, you know, your life was in danger. You were almost killed several times, et cetera, et cetera. But you're having a good time. And, you know, that might be something to be to be worried about. So this is uh, this is setting up an arc that we're going to see through more of this season and into next even with her. And uh, but it's great. I think it's yeah. we're finally getting something besides the impossible girl and then the random girl who we don't know why she who she works for, what she does for living, or what her job is. And then now, OK, all right. Now she's got some kind of interesting, interesting story here. <clears throat> 
All right, well, why don't we move on to our classic episode? We're headed back to the William Hartnell era. We're mm-hmm. in season two. It's the first story in season two. And we still have our original group, right? We have yeah, Barbara, Ian, and Susan. Yeah, Susan's still checking in. So Susan, great to see yeah. her. We haven't seen her in a while. It's called Planet of the Giants. It's the ninth Doctor Who story ever. Mm-hmm. Uh, a three-parter, which you know I'm a fan like, of. like that. <laughs> <laughs> it aired October uh, the 31st. Of, ooh, it aired, first episode aired on Halloween mm. through oh, it the 14th of November. 1964 it is called the planet of the giants as i said i have the wrong clip mm. pulled up so i'm gonna mm-hmm. get the right one okay john is... what do you know about planet of the giants well what i will tell you, you i can about? tell you now that uh since, since it is a three-part story but it was actually filmed as a four-part story uh oh. and then they realized they were like and and you know what i think you are of all people might be like they should have done this more often they were like <laughs> it's just not doesn't have enough to sustain four parts so they edited the three parts three and four together and they made it just one uh one part all right well the original footage listen, is lost but let's oh, listen here we go. To this clip but what does it mean look you needn't keep it a secret from us what Doctor, don't keep it in suspense. Oh, don't run with these futile questions, please. Can't you understand? Can't you see? No, we can't. That's just it. <sighs> we were just about to materialize when the doors opened and we hadn't properly adjusted. You mean something went out of the ship? No, that's impossible. Came inside. Oh, please, don't keep talking on the 20th century level. I'm talking about time travel. Neither of you can understand what I'm talking about. I can see that. How could we? You've never explained it to us. Right, dear I'm boy. Sorry, I... Everything's all right. There isn't a fault anywhere, not even a yellow standby. But there must be something wrong, Susan. I shall have to check that fortificator myself and make sure. Excuse me. Oh, I do wish you wouldn't talk in riddles. So do I. Susan, perhaps you can help us. <laughs> I just know the most dangerous moment is at the point of materialization. Nothing's ever happened to us before. Well, the doors have never opened like that before. Well, happily no harm's been done. It's most puzzling. Oh, my dear Barbara, was I rude to you just now? So I'm so sorry. I I always forget the niceties under pressure. <laughs> <laughs> They're both, Great. all four of them in that one are sort of like, I like a, uh, there's a lull there in the middle and Ian and Barbara are like, oh, hey, Susan, you're here. <laughs> <laughs> you got anything? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, so I picked that one. I was like, there's a little, little original crew dynamic there. But uh, yes, I love that is also, I'm not sure if it's that scene or, or somewhere in there. In this first season, is a very famous. I don't know if the recording exists, sadly, but the the tale from the cast uh, is that you know Bill Hartnell was sometimes had trouble remembering his lines or getting his lines right. And Susan goes to see if there's anything damaged. She goes to check the fault locator, um, which is the you know basically your instrument panel to see where any of the damage. So apparently, in one take, he said, "Susan, quick, go check the fornicator." <laughs> <laughs> sadly, that did not make it into the final I, famous um... blooper. I uh, I enjoyed Susan in this like Susan very much toned down by season two. Yeah, oh, she leaves in. next story. Next story is Dalek Invasion of Earth, so she's oh she's well, her, there she's you go. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. She I feel like she had just sort of gotten into like all right, I can handle this, Susan, and then they're like, Susan has to go away now. <laughs> Back to her Interesting. Own wow, Dalek Invasion of Earth was right after this. What yeah. a shift in tone. 
and wow. and there's a suspicion. I think even there's a note like one of the other reasons it may have been shortened to three episodes was that the management because the Daleks were enormously popular already, and management was mm. kind of like, hey, can we just maybe get to the Dalek story? <laughs> like, wow. This, this one about, well, this so this one, one about terrifying giant ants is great, but could we move to the Dalek story? That seems to be what people want. This Planet of the Giants, or as I like to call it. What if we just let the prop department have a little fun? <laughs> what if we just let them decide what we're going to do? Yeah, so and I guess this is what I was more thinking of when I said the two things were un- the TARDIS shrinking was unrelated. Because in this story, they show up. They're sh- they're a little confused as to what's going on. Mm-hmm. They think they're in a planet of giants. And then they realize, no, we've shown up shrunken. Mm-hmm. And they don't really know why. And space then pressure. the doctor's like, the door's open and the space pressure. That's one of the lines of space pressure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then you get involved in the plot here. And the plot is about someone who's making a pesticide that's not mm-hmm. that good. Yep. A little silent spring. And then so you're kind of thinking, right, exactly. Yeah. Timely for 1964, certainly. Mm-hmm. I mean, look, timely in any moment. Certainly timely mm-hmm. now. But. Mm-hmm. Definitely, this was being discussed a lot more then as the yeah, they, they were, they, the scientists were just forming the conspiracy to fake climate change in the in the early sixties. It was just it beginning. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't until now when the they really got in concert and really agreed to fake it. Uh, <laughs> I mean, the yeah. pesticides they were shelling out at that point were really like they were like, why don't we just dump gasoline on everything? <laughs> what, what about military grade you know, yeah. mustard gas? But we'll just tone it down a little for the garden. Yeah. But I think what's interesting about the plot is they. I guess I see where they're, how they're tying it in with the plot, but it's sort of just a separate thing happening. There's nothing related to why they're being shrunk or anything. Like they're being shrunk, and because of that, they are able to feel the effects of pesticides as though they are these small <laughs> creatures, and that is sort of the point. Yeah, just that. But, also, they would have been able to resolve. I mean, the plot is a very straight. The guy murders the guy in the garden, and he's trying to cover yeah. up the thing. If they had been full size, they would have been able to just call the police and resolve the whole thing it's, in five minutes. It's just like a corporate <laughs> espionage thing. Yeah, like, so it's know, just like a, it's an interesting. Like, what if what if you just face this very basic dilemma? But uh, you were you were tiny. How tall do you think they are? Because oh well, the scale the seems state... to be all over the place. <laughs> oh, well, yes, they they are. In a sink, they're about half of a sink drain. Yeah, so they're like an inch. But then, like yeah, an, the ants are very huge ants. Yeah, um, huge ants. And then, but then, like the matchsticks, I think they're smaller than the matchsticks. <clears throat> they're also in a garden path. So they're in the. They appear to be in. They're in actually pebbles. So yeah, that, mm. the, the scale kind of goes all over the place. And then they keep getting into things that can be picked up. That's also like quick yeah. hide in this matchbox. It's like no, no, don't, don't go in there. Well, that's why when I say. I do really think it's probably talking with the prop department and say, like, here's the general idea. What do you think you can make for us? Mm-hmm. And they just work on that. But I, I also just think then the main plot of, again, yeah, like, you know, thwarting this corporate espionage of this, you know, an industrialist trying to make this poisonous uh, pesticide or dangerous pesticide. It just seems so below the doctor. It's like, yeah, OK. Yeah. Yeah, I guess you should do that. <laughs> anyway, Susan touches the, the no Barbara, Barbara. She's here, so they're trying to save her. That's what they're kind of involved in. In a wonderful, in a wonderful sci-fi or all television show, which is uh, a trope, which is touch the poison thing, but then don't tell anyone I you've know. touched the poison yeah. thing. <laughs> Keep it to yourself, and everyone's like, "Why are you acting so strange, Barbara?" As long and then as no every- one touched the poison thing, you should be fine. <laughs> 
And then everything <laughs> is obviously very difficult because they're small and they, they, they're trying to do these things, which they can't do because they're small. And just a, a lot. Th- thankfully, not four episodes. I thought like fun to watch because they, they did do a good job with the sets and, and the <clears> thing. It is, yeah. it is fun. <laughs> and then it's very much how do they get big again at the end? They just do. They, they just, just figured it out, and now they're bigger. Yep. The we'll space okay. gravity or whatever it was was reversed, so that's fine. So a pretty simple and straightforward thing. It's really more just about the fun of the of the special effects, and I think they were, they were enjoying themselves doing it. it. It was an enjoyable enough thing. Like I said, this cast, it's funny that they part ways. Well, I mean, not all of them, but but yeah. they split they up after this and next story. They're gelling, but yeah. Yeah, I thought they were, like, working working well. It was nice to see them again. I like, I like this group, so... Yeah, I, I think, yeah, especially Ian and Barbara. I love anything that they're in because, they, again, they, they just take everything in stride. And they're like, well, I guess we're mini now. All right, <laughs> figure this out. They've definitely uh, uh, come a long way. This is by Louis Marx, uh, who's written not many other. He wrote Day of the Daleks uh, later on, a few others. This is famously one of the original sort of in the original brief of Doctor Who. They sort of the Sidney Newman, the creator, threw out ideas about interesting storylines they could do. And one of them, he says, you know, wouldn't it be be good to do stuff where you just make ordinary things like a garden path seem really scary? Um, and, you know, this idea that they would shrink on some level and and that would be part of the storyline. I think they were going to do it in the first season. They kind of pushed this to season two. Yeah, the prop department having a good time. There's some back projections of the cat and some other. They have some uh, stuff they're yeah. doing. None of which just blows you away, except when you think about, well, they actually were doing this live. Like, I mean, it wasn't they yeah. were broadcasting live, but they were basically filming live to tape. I think uh, it looks pretty good for, break. The, for the era. Yeah. It looks pretty good. Uh, and yeah, I mean, they, they come up with, a, I think, some interesting, you know, like, all right, we got to get up the drain. What could go wrong here? They have to get the telephone off the hook. If you think about how heavy telephones were back in the day, uh, and they use the corks to get the, the phone off. And then, you know, but then they're like, oh, they can't hear you because your voices are too high. I thought that was a clever little thing. Uh, and then they used the Bunsen burner, which, you know, the, funny the fire. Ian, Ian running at the match, <laughs> matchbook with the, with the match. And uh, yeah, yeah, um, uh, it is. Uh, it's a it's a fun little story. This is about directors and. Mervyn Pinfield and Dougie Canfield, uh, Douglas Canfield did the last episode, I think, or last two. Um, Mervyn Pinfield is the guy, if you remember from Adventure in Space and Time, uh, he was kind of the technical guy that they, mm. uh, and he was the one who invented the teleprompter or invented the, uh, you know, so you see the reflection. Yeah, he invented the teleprompter. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, he was the sort of most technical director, and that's why um he was assigned to um he was assigned to this one you can if you have the blu-ray uh you can uh, they have they have reconstructed uh, they did not have the original footage of sadly of episodes three and four but they have reconstructed um the the two parts uh so you can see what they (laughs) They lengthen it yeah they lengthen it uh (laughs) and they force you to watch it like you can't watch no man if you do it is the, the editing together was not entirely successful because they are sort of just they do leap very quickly. It's not quite clear why they're doing what they're doing uh, and like, why are they why are they trying to light the thing on fire uh, and why were they doing it at that point and stuff like that? But again, it doesn't it doesn't really matter because it's not a complex story. Uh, and yeah, all you're interested in is like sort of seeing these people in this situation. It's a good one. You got a friend in themes. You got friend in themes. <laughs> You're a doctor. You're a doctor who visit anything we can do. Wait, just went into Bill Cosby. Went from Randy Newman to Bill Cosby with the Jello pudding pops. <laughs> Randy Newman and, and, and Bill Cosby are on a spectrum. On a spectrum. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
We were talking about Bill Cosby prior to the show, as, yeah, as we so, often do. Yeah, we often do. We admire the man. Yeah, he, just, his <laughs> whole everything about him. <laughs> no stand up guy. Stand up guy. We are. That's not true. But nope. we are adherents of the. What <laughs> is, is true is that we're adherents yeah. of the repeating themes here. And no, not the mind probe. We like to celebrate topics and ideas that are threaded throughout Doctor Who and throughout all time and space in our culture. John, what did you want to talk about for these episodes? Let's talk about shrinking. Should we shrink people? Ooh. No. No, let's talk about, <laughs> let's talk about companion types. This took me a while to come up with a theme for this. Types. One, but I actually think hmm. we had some types here because between uh, these two and the giggle, um, we have a lot of interesting companion types here. And as I went through them, I realized we don't have maybe the most archetypal companion type, and maybe quest- calling into question whether that's truly uh, um, uh, maybe that isn't the archetype. So we've got Barbara and Ian. Uh, who are middle-aged school teachers, uh, sort of adult figures, almost the leads in the sense of this, the early uh, stories. And very rarely, occasionally Barbara, but not like in distress. They're not like yeah. being saved by the doctor in that way. Right. In fact, sometimes they're saving the doctor. Yeah. Um, you have Susan, who is Dr. Light, very light, but she is, she's, an alien she's experienced she knows the she understands a lot more what's going on and things like mm-hmm. that then you have clara in the uh, uh flat line and she's who is, the, who is the creator and end of all space and time and <laughs> yeah, all, all things, things at all the times. alpha and the omega all things <laughs> <laughs> but she's a very confident uh traveler in fact it always has been kind of very confident yeah, trailer with the doctor, maybe close to the archetype. Uh, you've got Mel coming back for the giggle. Um, Mel and Donna are both kind of in the same boat in that they're both older, experienced. Mel, you know, so you, you, yeah, you have seen. So you've seen the first Mel, yeah. you've seen the last Mel. Mel went off in space with Glitz after Dragonfire, uh, and then they had this brief moment in the episode where they're like, "Oh yeah, I came back." Is a quick explanation how she came back. Uh, now she's working at Unit, and so she's older and experienced and things like that. And just throw it in there for the heck of it. You got Riggsy, right? Who's sort of the temporary companion mm-hmm. stand-in and stuff like that. So what's interesting here is you don't have the the classic screaming, you know, the pretty damsel, young thing who's damsel damsel, yeah, exactly yeah. right. So yeah, so um, I just think it's interesting. Are, the, are these uh, what companion? What other companion types are we missing? Uh, if we're missing any, and which do you prefer of these companion types? Which you'd like to see more of? Well, I haven't seen a lot of, except for these very old ones of the big, like maybe I have, but it feels less common to have this big group of companions, this big castle mm. of companions he's going with, and that, and that's how it started off, right? With three right off the bat. Yep. I know we 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 are getting to that, especially in the Jodie yes, Whittaker Jody era. Yes, Jodie is going to have three. Um, uh, we've had them. There are sometimes we've had uh, Tegan, Nissa, and Adric, and Tegan, Nissa, mm, and Turlo right. in the fifth Doctor era. We've got some three, three, threes companies, but uh, that's that was unusual. And I guess Amy and Rory, sort of a unit. Yeah. But anyway, so. I'm kind of interested in that. That seems more challenging to do correctly just because there's more people. I don't know. <laughs> it's it's more yeah. to get the dynamics right and have it be interesting and not have someone just feel like an extra person in every story. Which is why I think it makes sense to do the Amy and Rory thing, which is where at least they have a relationship. Um, like Tegan, Nissa, and Adric are just three random people. Um, yeah. So you have to create a dynamic for them, uh, and then you have to apply that dynamic consistently across episodes, which or have to develop it. Seems and more so challenging. I think it's hard to do, right? So they just didn't bother. Whereas Amy and Rory, they're like, hey, they're they're husband and wife. 
everybody work with that. <laughs> a lot easier to sort of have that. But I mean, so I guess without thinking too much which type I like or not, I think um, of my favorite companions, I do like Barbara Nian, or just the ones I like. I like Barbara Nian. I do like Donna, you know, maybe my favorite or definitely not near the top. And then I like Sarah Jane mm-hmm. and Amy. Mm-hmm. Those are probably my favorites. So that that's kind of a mix. I mean, like you would say Sarah Jane is probably the uber damsel in yeah. distress, but but done really well. She's very strong and confident. She's not really <clears throat> damsel in distress. Yeah, I mean, like no. she she gets into scrapes, but she's not. Yeah, she's not. And I would say Amy, too. Mm hmm is a good like she she's confident she's yeah she comes in her own so she is she as we discussed in some of a lot of her episodes she often and donna too had this so maybe this is what i like i like that she both of them would end up being like the doctor kind of treats them like oh, i'm in charge here and i'll help you mm-hmm. but then they're often the one who actually solves the riddle yeah the they're like you're no yeah. you're not yeah you're not in charge of us so i like them so i guess and then so thinking about the ones i like is like i like kind of a mix there so i don't think there's necessarily a one size fits all but i do think as we said i think it's just easier to have more of a single person there because if you figure out the dynamic that works well with that single person yeah then that's just working and if you're adding more people into it then gets gets more confusing and then if i discuss as i've discussed less about the type i enjoy more in the modern doctor who they seems like they rarely did this with the old doctor who i like the characters having some kind of a backstory so you understand how this into their lives and i think definitely amy being the best example of that and then donna to an extent i think donna did too Uh, at least again it wasn't that her character story was such an amazing arc but i knew where she was coming from and i knew like kind of what she wanted and she had that great she has that great like i was you know i'm a loser i'm a temp who has no prospects my mother is harping i remember the uh, the mother was pretty brutal to her and stuff like that and it's like sort of her arc is she realizes she's actually really smart and she's the most important person in the universe at one point she can you know do competent stuff i mean that's a great example too because like that kind of has annoyed me about clara certainly annoyed me about aspects of rose but Donna was also the most most important person in the universe there. <laughs> and I thought, I don't know, maybe it's just Catherine Tate. Like, maybe there's just something about the character that, like, I kind of liked it with that and, and didn't mind it. Whereas it became a little bit trying to me how often Rose and now Clara are like, yes, randomly he met this person and they are the key <laughs> to everything at all times. And, you know. Are the well, I, think, I mean, so the compa- it's interesting. I wonder how much has changed or is effective of our ages. So, so like the companion is supposed to be the audience identification figure, right? Obviously, nobody, hopefully, or generally, most people don't identify with the doctor. People aren't like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm like <laughs> that guy. I'm a thousand years old. <laughs> no, <laughs> you know what I mean, right? So the, the companion is supposed I have to question be mark suspenders. <laughs> yep, this is me <laughs> <laughs> on the nose. You're supposed to identify or relate to the companion, which, you know, would make sense. That, and, and, and the show's aimed at, you know, in intelligent uh 12 year olds and above like but you know kids <laughs> kids ish and kids tend to latch on to a figure that's older than them like you know, one step up right they're, they're gonna yep. so so it would make sense the young companion that would be the one they they would sort of target but certainly now yeah my favorites are uh i like i love barbara and ian i think they're great yeah and you know i wonder if it's just because it's like now i'm just like yeah that's that's how i'd be <laughs> i probably well i'd probably be as brave as ian but or yeah i'd be a little bit more skeptical and and you know don or i feel like don is the one where it's like i'd like to be that like i'd like to be out of my depth but also sort of a little bit brassy and like you know i'm not going to 
take your guff there, buddy. Like, <laughs> to you know, tell tell the doctor off or call him on his nonsense or something like that. Which is also why I feel like I like the I like an older Mel too. I liked Mel as a companion. I liked Mel, uh, I, and I like older Mel is even better. Yeah, I, I liked her in this more than I liked her. Although, I mean, again, those seasons didn't have the best writing. Yeah, and they're short. But, yeah, but she was great in this. And and you know what I liked about her is that she seemed very at ease and comfortable with her and her bot and all this and happy to be there and you know it was great (laughs) the other thing about the companions i'd point out is there's two that i really like that i feel like were not get like done well by the writers and then sort of swept under the table and they are and now that i think of it they remind me of each other which is uh martha and the woman who was the scientist uh, with the third doctor. Oh, Liz. Liz Shaw. Yeah. Liz. They remind me of one another because they both come on as very smart, accomplished, comp- not trying to find themselves. They are found themselves. Yeah. Like they're, they're accomplished in their field. They're smart. Obviously, you know, the doctor knows more about them in terms of the whole universe. I liked both of them. And it just seems like the writers couldn't figure out how to make them work. Yeah. And so they both kind of unceremonious not unceremoniously but but just left well actually yeah liz shaw definitely left unceremoniously yeah, but yeah. didn't even get a goodbye scene but, yeah, but no, Martha, good like you know n- never really became a huge thing and i just really enjoyed both of them from the beginning but yeah for whatever reason didn't seem to work i don't know yeah and it's like yeah, i guess well the doctor's sort of a broken person so maybe uh, like a person who's got it together <laughs> like it's a weird to do with them. Hey, you know, um I, i'll throw in one other companion a big finnish companion who was very popular um uh was evelyn Smythe, who was paired with the sixth doctor and she was a much older like grandmotherly history professor and uh, she ended up traveling with the sixth doctor and she liked to bake chocolate cakes and she wore Woolly jumpers and all that. And she was fantastic. Great <laughs> companion. Uh, maybe that. Well, you know what? Age identify, I identify with her. Oh, yeah. I would like to wear a sweater. Yeah. So, you know, again, I think that. But it shows it can work. And so it's interesting to see sort of, you know, it's going to be interesting to see now we have a very young doctor uh, and we have a very young companion, as we'll talk about next yeah. episode coming in. This is back to sort of that classic pairing. But, you know, as we talk through this, I'm sort of like uh, thinking more of like, yeah, that, that classic pairing maybe isn't that classic. Like Joe Grant was sort of the most damsel in distressy yeah. one. Um, and maybe some of the earlier ones like, Vic, I don't know, I think he was a space kid. But, you know, maybe Polly and, and maybe I mean, Victoria was very young. Victoria. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, she was. She was she she wasn't in it for that long, was she? Uh, we oh, didn't watch Jamie. A lot of Jamie's seven. one of my favorite companions. Yep, and yeah, and he's he's his own thing, isn't he? <laughs> he's up for he's up for anything. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, he's kind of like I mean, he's almost Ian, but from Scotland. In the I think there's the not a great team. pattern to this. I so I agree with what you're saying, which is that we think of yeah. it as that oh, it's always the young kind of attractive yeah. woman who's screaming her head off, and certainly they. I think they maybe the air kind of that, right? Again, I didn't mind Leela, but clearly that's why they brought Leela in. And yeah, clearly, she's not a screamer. Um, Leela's Leela's a completely out of the box character, <laughs> and clearly like hot, but clearly like I'm right. Told. No, and I liked I liked her, but but obviously they also had her on there for eye candy. Yeah, and then you have you know Perry, who is probably the worst example of the candy. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. but also like the kind of just gets in trouble and has to be rescued and. Yeah. That's why the doctor was just so upset at her constantly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We're going to move on to ranking these episodes. We are ranking rank the first rank 300 Doctor Who television stories. Up. We have ranked 188 of them. Yeah. It's pretty awesome. And we're going to 
we're gonna move on to these. So kicking ass. I will start first. Names. Really like Flatline. So last episode we ranked our highest ranking of a 12th doctor story we ranked mummy on the orient express and it's currently tied for 15th yep the internet was a buzz <laughs> i mean everybody was talking about <laughs> and phone lines were lighting everybody up was talking yep. About yep. so and and so it was helpful to have just had that one so close to watching this i really like this one i probably like the mummy on the orient express better mm-hmm. and so i ended up with this you know, out of 180 of these, I ranked this pretty high, mm-hmm. but not quite as high as that one. So I ranked it about, I ranked it 44th. <laughs> I put it actually just above Pyramids of Mars, which we just watched, mm-hmm. um, and just behind Hand of Fear and Macro Terror, some, some older ones there. But that's kind of where it ended up. Um, and Kurt, uh, the, the closest new who there was like uh, Amy's Choice, the Centaurian Stratagem. So yeah, on the higher end of things, you know, mm-hmm, but we, we mm-hmm. got a lot of these things now, so it's it takes more right. than, than this to break into the the top ten or something. Planet of the Giants, totally enjoyable, um, just not much to it. I, I was thinking that as I after I ranked it, I thought like, oh, you think I might rank this higher because it does have a real fifties sci fi feel, which I, yeah. I do like. But I I ranked it one hundred and fourteenth, right next to Journey of the ten- Center of the Tardis. I ranked it above the Three Doctors. I enjoyed this more than the Three Doctors. That, <laughs> It's not as novel to me to see those reunion things. So yeah, so yeah, I ranked it around there. Uh, the wheel, the ones that were similar to me, it was, it was near to like the wheel in space, mm, the ice warriors. I don't know. Like it reminds me of these things. So fine, not in the bottom or anything like that. But um, yeah, kind of middle of the road. Oh, we're pretty much my... in agreement here. Oh, okay. I um, I've actually got flatline at number forty-five. So uh, okay. very much in the same place. I got it near the Lodger, near the Bells of St. John, just below the Deadly Assassin in the classic series. Uh, I liked it. I think it's a great story. It's not overly complicated. Um, it doesn't... Uh, it's it's one of those ones where I don't think it sticks with me, where I'm like thinking about it all the time. Other stories I think about all... I think about Mummy on the Express twice a day. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but like, but it's one of those ones when you watch it, you're like, oh yeah, this is really good. Like, this is a fun one and a neat story and the, the Clara uh, the Doctor dynamic is really good and I like the setup for the stuff and yeah, it's, it's nice to see her kind of coming around. So a strong story, um, another strong story from Jamie Matheson. I really enjoyed that. Yeah, Planet of the Giants, similar place to yours as well. It's simple but solid. Um, it's pulled up a little bit by just that dynamic of that original crew. I think they're just yeah. a really good group uh and uh, it's the right length and you know i also think i i think i sat down to watch it on like a rainy saturday afternoon uh and it's sort of a it's a it's a 50 sci- you're right it's a 50 sci-fi black and white there's like a coziness to it yeah um, that i really enjoyed and again it, because it's only three parts it doesn't really outlive its welcome <laughs> um, so yeah, i had it right. uh, i had it number 98 uh, around the fires of pompeii uh, power of three uh andrew zitaro so the closest classic series one below that but yeah pretty solid solid adventure for me but yeah, not not an all-time great but uh definitely in the cozy category well i will uh put it into the uh, supercomputer here uh and uh you know probe gpt tells me that uh flatline interestingly enough mm-hmm. You ranked it 43. I ranked it 44. It's the new number one. Together, yeah, it's the number one story. (laughs) I think there's something wrong with Excel. (laughs) No, but together it's ranked 34 because we both. So, yeah, yeah, but and it's right, it's actually right above the five doctors uh, and right below the stolen earth journey's end. So, uh, it's in (laughs) good company. The planet of the giants ends up uh, ranked 109, tied with Doctor Who and the Silurians. Oh, yes, make sure you get that right. Just right. behind Logopolis, just above Day of the Daleks. So, uh, yeah, well, interesting. We finally agree on something. Let's see what the Doctor Who magazine people say. Um, Flatline, yep, uh, is a very popular 
story number four out of the Peter Capaldi. Okay. So just behind Mummy on the Orient Express, which is number three. So up there as as one of the most popular uh, of the Capaldi stories. And uh, Planet of Giants down down on the Hartnell era. I think maybe a little too low, but uh, it's at number 25. It's been hovering around 20, 21 and 98, back in 98, but uh, hovering around 24, 25 on the various surveys. But uh, 25 out of 29. So uh, in the bottom uh, in the bottom tier, surprised me a little bit. I feel like it's a little, maybe. But again, it's just there's nothing particularly remarkable about it other than the fact that there are big. There's a giant matchstick in it. And <laughs> kids, kids don't like that. <laughs> well, I just want to point out that it remains the case that Peter Capaldi is by far your favorite doctor with these mm-hmm. rankings. Mm-hmm. He is ranked almost like 10 points below in terms of overall stories below any other doctor. I have him up there, though I still mm-hmm. rank Matt Smith higher, but you just, I mean, you love this guy. You love the love Scotsman. Him. Love him. I love, I'm, I'm a Scotsman myself. What can I say? There you go. So if you want to see this, and don't you? I mean, we just talked about do. it. Don't you want to see what we're talking I about? I think you do. Uh, you can go to mindprobe.show slash ranking. You can see the ranking there. You can you can go to mindprobe.show slash watch uh, or watch order. Oh, let me check. It doesn't matter. You can just go to mindprobe.show and you can click on these links um, and you can see uh, what we're going to watch next. Uh, you can check out the rankings. You can see how I rank, how you rank, how everybody ranks. You can go also to mindshow. see mindprobe.show slash secret file and see Porter's social security number, all the tax documents. Yeah, and I, <laughs> and I would say I'd change it, but it's just the only place I can seem to remember to find that. So please yeah. don't go there and use that against me. I just really need it. You can never also just be cool, okay? Never just be cool about it, please. <laughs> um, if you haven't already, you can also go there and check out. We have the... We are... If you're listening to this, we have YouTube videos of each episode. You can watch us talking about this. They're linked there on the site. Uh, you can also subscribe to our youtube channel you can subscribe to us on spotify or apple podcast please do please give us uh, some thumbs mm-hmm. up and mm-hmm. subscriptions and ratings that would help and uh tell friends about the show at all it would all be great all yeah. of it would be great promote us on your podcast you got a podcast promote a podcast us. promote us who, who cross, I, uh, i'm listening to a great one right now i'm gonna i'm gonna cross promote it called Wiz. Very bad wizards. Uh it's very good. It's a very good podcast. Ha <laughs> ha. But it's called mm. Very Bad Wizards. It's a moral philosophy podcast. Everybody, no, don't don't click off yet. Uh, it's, uh, a mor- okay. it's a moral philosophy podcast uh, with a philosopher and a psychologist, and they're talking about. They just have very fun conversations about um, ethics and moral philosophy. Uh, I'm. It's it's got like three hundred episodes, and I'm only on like episode seven from like 2017. It's fantastic. So highly right. recommend. And we should do a crossover. We should do a crossover. Say it again. It's uh, wizards. What was it? Very bad wizards. It's the, from the Wizard of Oz. It's like I'm I'm a very good man. I'm just a very bad wizard. Oh, yeah, I like it. Uh, John, speaking of the watch order, what yeah. are we going to watch on next episode of this podcast? We're watch next. All right. Um, well, we've done our demographic research, and we know it's an interesting mm. crossover. A lot of of our listeners like gardening. Uh, oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, they are green thumbs. Yeah, uh, and so that would be the inspiration for. For next, uh, our next episode, uh, who fans, who fans, how does your garden grow? Mm. Well, uh, if you're Peter Capaldi and Clara and Danny, uh, it uh, it grows all over London. Uh, it grows kind of out of control yeah. in the um, in the I'm going to say it's divisive. I'm going to say a divisive episode. Let me tell Ooh. you from uh, from that period in the forest of the night. And I've paired that with another, again, one of the easier ones to pair with uh, another story of out of control plants, the classic fourth doctor sarah jane episode the seeds of doom why well, i'm excited to get excited about 
our yeah. our other kingdom. You know, Crappy not the animal yeah, exactly. kingdom. Plant, plant kingdom. Great and kingdom hopefully mushrooms plants. will also get their day in the sun with. Uh, yeah, um, when there's something, is it? Um, did you ever see Day of the Triffids? That's a scary plant. I've never story. seen that. I've heard yeah. of that. That's a Star Trek thing, right? Uh, it's like a sci-fi. It was a book, I think. Uh, and the triffids are like people. Everybody goes blind, and then the plants start eating people. It's it's something. I'm thinking of the trouble with triples. Yeah, that would be very different. We're not gonna watch any of that. <laughs> Mindprobe.show. <laughs>